Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Oh, we are overreacting. The NFL is here, and it feels good because we can just say whatever the hell we want, including Aaron Rodgers doesn't look like he wants to win. Let's overreact, baby. Captain Competent hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. It's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Hey, y'all remember Jermichael Finley? I hadn't thought about him in like four years. And then today, he's on my ESPN 106.3, and he's talking about Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers apparently doesn't look like he wants to win. That's the beauty of the NFL, folks, that we overreact, and it makes national headlines. Oh, it feels good. This is what Sports Talk Radio is all about. Ken Levicka live here on a Wednesday on ESPN 106.3. Free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. We're in the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off of the glistening and sweaty intracoastal. Captain competent Joe Rigotti is here running things, making sure that uh, we don't get too out of line. Coquel, he is off today, but we have you until uh, 1 o'clock. Uh, so this morning uh, here on ESPN 106.3, uh, it is uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Uh, KJM, if you will. Uh, and you hear them 6 to 10 a.m. every day here on ESPN 106.3. And... I, I get that Sunday was dreadful in Jacksonville for the Packers. I mean, I haven't had one day in Jacksonville in my life that hasn't been dreadful. Now, a lot of that for me is self-inflicted, but I get it. I know what it's like to have a bad time in Jacksonville. And the Green Bay Packers had a bad time in Jacksonville. And Aaron Rodgers had a bad time in Jacksonville. In fact, for a guy who threw five interceptions all of last season, he had two in three plays, both of them nearly being brought back for interceptions, both of them leading the Saints touchdowns on a very short field, and Jameis Winston had his way with the Packers. Well, if you recall in the offseason, former Packers tight end Jermichael Finley had some questions about Aaron Rodgers' leadership. This is while Aaron Rodgers was still deciding if he was going to go back to the Packers or if he was going to retire. What was that relationship going to be like? Was the Jordan Love era about to begin? And Jermichael Finley went to Bleacher Report and made all of those thoughts known. Well, Jermichael Finley popped up today on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max here on ESPN 106.3 and listen to Aaron Rodgers' former tight end, his assessment of Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. What would you say to fans who hear you talking about him now and have the suspicion, man, Jermichael Finley just has an axe to grind with this guy and he's waiting to, like, criticize? How would you, how would you respond to fans who think that listening to you? No, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked uh, that question. But once again, man, I, I, got, I got my paper, I got my bread, I got my money. Um, I'm totally fine over here. My thing is that um, the, the guy just... It, it's just that I'm not a hater. I'm just I'm looking out. Actually, I just want the guys to do their best and play Packer football. And uh, 
once again, brother-in-law, and it doesn't do it. And I think Love is going to be ready for the job here pretty soon. So, can't um, wait to see the youngster play. Love is going to be ready for the job, but Rodgers, like to be fair to Aaron Rodgers, just came off arguably his best season. They were in the NFC Championship game. He threw 40 touchdowns against like negative 10 interceptions, whatever it was. Do you think he fell off that quickly? Bro, that's the National Football League. Uh, each offseason got worked like it's the last season. And I just don't see a work ethic in Aaron Rodgers that I have in previous years. And uh, actually, you can see it right through his his helmet. The eyes and the face tell, tells everything of the personality. And uh, I just don't see it, uh, that, that, that NFL hunger and, and just still hungry to go win another championship. I just think it's cliche and talk. Um, that, that guys get up there and say, oh, I want to win a championship. Um, it sounds good, but I want to see what you do on the field. Ah, yes. The old-fashioned, tried-and-true gauge of whether or not a player wants to win. And it's how he looks in his helmet, in his face, and in his eyes. Jermichael Finley nailed it. Aaron Rodgers is washed, and Aaron Rodgers is trash. Jermichael Finley, too, talking about how he got his bread. He got his paper he has no axe to grind. How, how, um, let me think. How, how exactly did Jermichael Finley get his bread and get his paper? Oh, oh, yeah. It's the guy in the green and gold number 12 uniform that allowed Jermichael Finley to get his bread and get his paper. That sounds like sour grapes to me. What an overreaction. I mean, what an overreaction. Aaron Rodgers, who rightfully said yesterday, you know what? It was one of those bad days. Tom Brady's had those bad days. I've seen Tom Brady have one of those bad days at Hard Rock Stadium against trash bag Dolphins teams. And we didn't declare that he was done or didn't read his face through his helmet. Maybe if Jermichael Finley was there, he could have helped us read Tom Brady's face through his helmet, but he wasn't. So uh, we were left in the dark on that. But this thought that Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to win, doesn't want to win a championship, because he had one bad day against a team that should be considered an NFC favorite in the New Orleans Saints, that just because Drew Brees isn't there anymore doesn't mean they don't have the same offensive weapons that they arguably... Did you listen to Drew Brees talk on Sunday night about Jameis Winston and his ability to throw the deep ball? Drew Drew Brees literally said, maybe that's what we've been missing the last three years. And that was a team that... Twice went to an AFC championship in that span, or an NFC championship game in that span. The Saints are good. The Saints were inspired coming off of the damage inflicted upon their home city. You're going to have bad days, and it's just unfortunate it happened in week one after a long, dramatic offseason. And do I think Aaron Rodgers can go out there and... After all of the drama he helped produce, lay an egg like that? No. It presents for circus stuff like we see from Jermichael Finley. It is an overreaction after week one, after one bad game, that the defending MVP doesn't want to win a championship and Jermichael Finley's just trying to give his former teammates a heads up. Thanks, Jermichael. I think they can handle it. What's your biggest overreaction of week one of the NFL season. Now that we're about to get in to week number two, what is your biggest week one NFL overreaction? Mine is Jermichael Finley saying that Aaron Rodgers just doesn't want to win a championship. 
And you can tweet at us, at ESPN West Palm. What is your biggest overreaction so far through one week of the NFL season? I love the NFL season because it is silly season. I love the NFL season because, especially after week one, it is easy to make proclamations. It is easy to make declarations. And uh, you have uh, those like Jermichael Finley. And I don't know what the prerogative is for Jermichael Finley. I don't know what the end game is for Jermichael Finley. But I do know that he is the biggest example right now of an overreaction. Then there's something that we discussed yesterday. And it was another member of that morning show here on ESPN 106.3, Keyshawn Johnson. He goes first now. He's K in KJM. I think that's, yeah, he's the K in KJ. Well, I know he's the K. I just wanted to make sure that the letter, Joe Rigotti looked at me like, uh, yeah, his, his name's Keyshawn. He, he is the K. I know, I know, Captain Competent, okay? Okay? I get it. I just want to make sure the order is correct. But Keyshawn Johnson, after... Derek Carr led the Raiders to an overtime victory. This was Keyshawn Johnson on where Derek Carr stacks up amongst NFL quarterbacks. We talk about elite quarterbacks, right? Okay. You talk about statistics. Statistics are like, oh, my God. Well, he's leading the league after week one, so I think that puts him in an elite category. Not only that, over the last three years, but over the last three years, look at his numbers with John Groove. It ain't been his fault that the Oakland Raiders have been not making the playoffs. He's done everything capable Yes, Patrick Mahomes is at one level, Aaron Rodgers is at another, Tom mm-hmm. Brady, Russell Wilson. Right. But you can't tell me when you get to five, six, seven, mm-hmm. there's a top level, then there's another level, Stephen A. Mm-hmm. He's at that other level. Yep, that's right. Keyshawn Johnson saying that Derek Carr is in the upper level, the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks. Is he good? Yeah, sure. He's um he's never thrown top ten in in yards and he uh, he's definitely not been top ten in touchdown passes. But after one game, because he had some fortuitous bounces and then zero Baltimore defense that helped them beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football, uh, he's he he's elite. That was knee jerk from Keyshawn. That was really really knee jerk. Am I fine with Derek Carr? Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's fine. He's good. Is he elite? Come on. Like this is only the type of stuff you get after one single game in the NFL season. Mac Jones is gonna be Brady and he showed it. Again, that's the nonsense you get after week one because the Dolphins kept blitzing and Josh McDaniels kept running underneath routes on the Dolphins defense. Mac Jones couldn't complete anything over fifteen yards. Uh he at one point threw a pass fifteen yards behind him. But he outdueled Tua. Stop. It was one amazing defensive play in the end zone that kept Tua from 245 yards passing, three touchdowns, two through the air, and having a quarterback rating over 100. Like, stop. Stop, please. This is all one-game knee-jerk stuff. What's your biggest overreaction as we head into week two of the NFL season? 888-760-3776. 760-3776. Mine is Jermichael Finley saying Aaron Rodgers just doesn't want to win a championship. And I'm going to call myself out here in a second on Ezekiel Elliott. But I want to get to the phones. I want to get to Mark in Pompano. Mark, you're on Ken Levick Alive. What's going on, Mark? 
How's it hanging, Ken? I'm good, man. I'm good. What do you got, brother? So I could get this proved very easily, but my bold prediction is that two Cincinnati Bengals players will receive NFL honors. I think that Joe Burrow is going to get comeback player of the year, okay. and I think Jamar Chase is going to get offensive rookie of the year. So your your overreactions actually seem like realistic scenarios, at least through one week. So maybe that does make it an overreaction. But I could yeah. see Joe Burrow getting comeback player of the year, and I think there's a lot of people rooting for him. A lot of people want to see him succeed, and I think that he's going to be given leeway with that. And, hell, if he's hooking up with Jamar Chase like he did at LSU uh, and like he did in week one, then, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt. Now, uh, I know you saw how my guy Jalen Waddle looked dangerous in that oh. Dolphins offense. They're putting him everywhere, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I saw the one drop, but Waddle's crazy catch on the sideline. Yeah. He's got speed, too. Yeah. So I think he's going to be a big weapon. And, you know, him alongside Albert Wilson, those Ugh. are two fast guys. Yeah, it sure is. Those are two fast guys. Absolutely. I just hope they get Kasicki a little more involved. That's the only thing. Yeah, and I keep I keep thinking and I keep trying to talk myself into the fact that the Dolphins are the the Patriots front four and really by extension that front seven are top five in the NFL and they just bracketed Jasicki and he he just was not open. But I I'm hoping that that's what it was and it's not a trend of things to come. But Mark, you've got you've got Bengals on the mind and I'm into it. I like it. That is a good overreaction slash prediction. That Joe Burrow is going to be comeback player of the year. And let's be clear about this. He, people, people want him to come back from injury and tear it up because he's marketable and he's young and he's fun and he's got personality. Uh, I think that if it was him in a close race with anybody else, I mean, Joe Burrow is getting the edge on that. That's not unrealistic through one week. And then Jamar Chase, there are a lot of good rookies. No, but... Mac, sorry, sorry. Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady. You're going to have to give him the rookie offensive player of the year. Okay. All right, guys, it's over. It's over. It's done. It's Mac Jones. It's because it's the Patriots and it's Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick, by the way, uh, and we have talked a lot about that Tua interception late in that game. And was it a bad throw? Absolutely. But we love to knock on Tua. We love, 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 love to knock on Tua. Um, could someone remind me what Bill Belichick's record against Tua is? The great Bill Belichick, the Hall of Famer, uh, the the man of, of six Super Bowl championships. Oh, yeah, he's 0-2. He's, he's 0-2 against Tua. Uh, so I'm wondering when Bill Belichick is going to get the questions about why he can't, um, can't beat Tua. You want to know what Bill Belichick's record against Brian Flores is? He's 2-3. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's under 500. So again, again, like these are just things that I'm thinking about. I'm just spitballing here, but 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 maybe maybe at some point, maybe at some point, instead of focusing on every little mistake that Tua does, we can we can ask the uh, the goat, if you will, the the greatest coach of all time. Well, that would be uh, Gacote, the greatest of all time. Bill Belichick, why he can't uh, he can't game plan to beat Tua. That's just me. What's your biggest overreaction going into week two of the NFL season? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Uh, Coach Kalu on Twitter. The Bills are in trouble. No, they aren't. That's a solid team. Yeah. I, I don't know... How many people are worried about the Bills? Was it concerning that Josh Allen had sort of a Josh Allen-y game where 
He threw for a bunch of yards, and he was able to move the football, but they couldn't finish off drives. They never truly got the running game going, which was a little bit of an issue last year. If, if you were to pick one thing with the Bills' offense last year where you said maybe they're lacking, it was in the run game. I personally and selfishly think they need to just feed Devin Motor Singletary, the former FAU star, former American Heritage Del Rey star, because, well, I'm the voice of FAU and because uh, I like to see my people do well. Um, but, uh, I mean, they, they were fine, but they let scoring chances go. Uh, and the Steelers were more physical than they were. The Steelers executed better than the Bills did. Losing to the Steelers is not going to be a death knell for the Bills. The Steelers are good. The Steelers are good. Again, this is a Steelers team, and we had to say this last week a couple of times. The Steelers started last year 11-0 before they lost that random like like Wednesday noon game that they played, whatever midweek nonsense they played. The the Steelers are good. They're going to make a deep playoff run. They may match up with the Bills again in the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked by that. So the Bills losing, they're still the best team in the AFC East. They're still, to me, the favorite to win the most games in the regular season in the AFC. That's not going to stop the Tua train this Sunday. That's right. Dolphins-Bills, 1 p.m. here on ESPN 106.3. If the Bills fall to the Dolphins on Sunday, Monday on this very program, it's going to be awesome. And I guarantee you, I'm going to annoy the hell out of all of you with my Tua hype party that we're going to have. Even if he throws for like 130 yards and they end up winning like 7-6, to six, it's going to be a Tua hype party and it's going to be intense. What was your uh, biggest overreaction as we head into week two of the NFL season? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And you can always tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. Uh, let's do uh, one more tweet here. Nick Cazero Uh, tweets that the Packers will fail miserably and Aaron Rodgers will be gone at the end of the season. Just kidding, they'll be fine. Yeah, no one's going to touch the Packers. No one's going to touch the Packers. Did you see that first half from the Vikings in Cincinnati? That was uh, slug stuff. That was bad. Did they come tearing back in the second half? Yeah, but... Kirk Cousins going to Kirk Cousins. You do not know. It's getting to the point with Kirk Cousins, you don't know what you're going to get on a quarter-to-quarter basis, let alone a game-to-game basis. You, you do not know. Like, when is he finally going to fling off the plexiglass box and perform? No one knows. Yeah, the Packers are going to be fine. Are they going to be a Super Bowl contender? I don't know. Does Aaron Rodgers want to win a championship? Does he have the desire to win a championship? No matter what Jermichael Finley says... The answer to that is yes. Though apparently Jermichael Finley has the ability to see through the helmet at your face and in your eyes, and he can tell. He can tell. Don't try and get it past Jermichael Finley. He can tell by looking in your helmet whether or not you want to win. What a special talent that Jermichael Finley is. I got my bread. I got my paper. I have, I have, no, I have, I have, I have no, no reason to, to, to be knocking this guy. Bro, you got your money. You got your paper and won your Super Bowl because of Aaron Rodgers. Come on. Some respect. One of the greatest of all time, Jermichael. Come on. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Ken Levick Alive is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. We talked about it yesterday, but uh, Stephen Minicello 
who uh, graduated with an MBA in sport management from Florida Atlantic in 2020. He is the new manager of corporate marketing for the Oh-Ho-Hum Pittsburgh Penguins. It's a big deal, right? It's good stuff, right? It's a big job, right? And one of the reasons that he is in this role is because he worked hard and because he realized the value of an MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic. This is uh, an elite international program. This is a top-notch national program. This is a peak-of-the-mountain state of Florida program. If you go and get your MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic, that is worth its weight in gold. People see that, and they say, employers see that, and they say, oh, this person was was taught well. This person knows the latest in the intricacies of the sports industry. This person will be useful right off the bat. Come on, let's get you going. Let's get you working with the Penguins, with the Dolphins, with the Florida Panthers, with the Dallas Stars. All of these organizations I'm mentioning, members of the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, have been with or are currently with uh, in some capacity. The Dallas Cowboys, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. This is your path to the sports industry. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Don't wait any longer. If you're right out of school, want to get right into your MBA, do it. If you're a 40-something, haven't been in college for two decades, you have a family, you want a career change, don't waste any more time. This is how you get into the sports industry. Follow your dream. Spring semester classes, sign up for them now on campus in Boca or online. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Your biggest overreaction going into week two of the NFL season 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Throw a tweet at us, at ESPN West Palm. And when we return, USC, a top three job in the country in college football? I don't know about that. Captain Competent is here, Joe Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. What are the top three college football coaching jobs? USC is open and a prominent college football analyst says USC is in the top three I'm not so sure. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I, I don't think USC is in the top three top college football coaching jobs. Uh, I probably am at this point going with Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. Those are my three. Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. But what are the top three college football coaching jobs uh, in this country? 888-760-3776. By the way, to uh, the person that that called during the break and called uh, Captain Competent Joe Rigotti, who is clearly eating a bag of chips, I hope you have a good afternoon. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Uh, that is the type of good stuff. That is the type of content that uh, that we provide every single day here on uh, Ken Levick Alive. Uh, please, more calls of you eating chips to uh, to Joe Rigotti before one o'clock. Please eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six eight 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 seven six zero 
3776. Don't forget about the Kenlevick Alive podcast. It's free wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, doesn't matter. Just Google podcast and then you click on the first link that comes. Hopefully that's not a virus and you'll find our podcast right there. Again, Kenlevick Alive podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, so uh, USC is open and USC has not been a national title contender since Pete Carroll left. It has not been a national title contender since Pete Carroll left under the cloud of uh, sanctions handed down by the NCAA, not since Lane Kiffin took over, then was left on a tarmac. Uh, Ed Orgeron had a nice end as an interim to that season. That's how he scored his job at uh, LSU, eventually becoming the head coach after Les Miles left. Uh, but they have not been a national title contender. Like you think USC, and I still think Reggie Bush, I still think Matt Leinart, I still think Pete Carroll, I still think those teams. It's been a long time now since those teams, that type of talent, that type of competitiveness, the men of Troy, that whole thing existed. So Clay Helton, a very unremarkable run at USC, gets fired uh, after they were drubbed at home by Stanford. And interest has been waning in Los Angeles for quite some time. The Rose Bowl has been completely empty uh, for, or the Coliseum has been completely empty uh, during USC games, even during big games. It's been a really black mark on that program. Uh, Clay Helton gets ousted, and uh, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN uh, was on SportsCenter yesterday talking about the USC job, and, and get a get a listen to, uh, we don't have that, Joe. I did not send that to you. Awesome. I am rolling right now. Uh, so he, uh, he, he had a couple of names that he had thrown out there, uh, that, that, that there was potential interest in this job. Um, James Franklin at Penn State apparently is someone that USC wants to pursue. Uh, Urban Meyer is a name that immediately came up. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, he said today, no chance. There's no chance he's leaving the Jaguars to go to USC. But knowing Urban's track record, I'll... Um, you know, I'll wait. I'll wait until I actually see he's not headed on a plane to L.A. But why have me talk about it? We can hear from Adam Rittenberg. USC faithful want to see it return to prominence. Who are some of the candidates we could see USC go after as they look to replace help? Well, several names you hear a lot about. Penn State head coach James Franklin, who's obviously in a tier one job already, but might want to change. And, and being in L.A., being able to recruit on the West Coast, he's already won a Big Ten championship. Mike Bone wants to compete for conference championships and national championships. So he's a name you'll hear. At, same with Luke Fickle, the head coach at Cincinnati, who Mike Bone, the athletic director, hired when he was at Cincinnati. You'll hear Matt Campbell from Iowa State, former Washington head coach Chris Peterson. Maybe he wants to get back in the game, Minnesota head coach uh, P.J. Fleck. What if USC makes a run at Oregon head coach Mario Cristobal, who's won each of the last two Pac-12 championships and has recruited extremely well on the West Coast? So no shortage of options, Urban Meyer even, that USC can go after because it's USC and it still has tremendous recognition in the coaching community. All right, so those names are pretty prominent. Um, uh, but I-, I get why Iowa State's head coach, Matt Campbell, would want to go to USC. Yeah, that is an elevated job for sure. You've earned your right for a job like that at USC. Uh, Joe, you have an email. Um, uh, if, if you've done the job and won games at Iowa State. But James Franklin at Penn State, 
is that is that really raising your profile if you go from Penn State to USC? The Pac-12 hasn't been in the college football playoff in two full seasons, and you're going to go to 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 USC from a a, a cornerstone program in the Big Ten. I don't I don't understand that. And then there's Joel Klatt, who is the main analyst on Fox. He does all of their big noon Saturday games alongside Gus Johnson, calls the biggest games in the Big Ten, the Big Ten championship game. He tweeted that the top three coaching jobs in the country are Alabama, Clemson, and USC. That's right. Alabama, Clemson, and USC. USC ahead of Texas. USC ahead of Georgia. Hell, USC ahead of Florida. I don't know about that. I think we're getting a bit starry-eyed because it's Los Angeles. I think we're probably overestimating what USC is any longer. For me, I think that USC maybe is a top 10, and that's the extent of it. I'll go Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia as my top three college football head coaching jobs. What are the top three college football head coaching jobs? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Again, 888-760-3776. And hit us up on Twitter at ESPN West Palm. Now, the one case you can make for USC Still being a top three coaching job has nothing to do with recruiting to Los Angeles because I don't think, much like in, in pro sports where markets don't matter anymore, there's no difference between Oklahoma City and New York City. If you're a star, the money's going to find you. If you're a star, the businesses are going to want to partner up with you. If you're a star, you're going to endorse product after product after product. You're going to get the same attention. Being in New York doesn't matter anymore. Being in Oklahoma City doesn't matter anymore from a negative standpoint. Being in Miami doesn't matter anymore from a business standpoint. It is the same thing in college sports. I mean, hell, you've got Conference USA, FAU's conference, that they are on television in some capacity pretty much every single week. And that has been the case. There are so many linear products on television. If you're good, you're going to get noticed. It's weird if FAU doesn't get a player drafted anymore every single year. One of the top 100 players in the NFL, Trey Hendrickson, pass rusher for the Bengals, FAU. So that's my point. The mighty USC... I don't think that that name recognition matters anymore. You know what does? Flashy uniforms. Young coaches. That's why when Adam Rittenberg brings up Mario Cristobal going from Oregon to USC, why? Oregon just went to Columbus shorthanded and smacked an iron fist down on the Buckeyes at the horseshoe. What more does Mario Cristobal have to prove? He can win at Oregon. Oregon's been in a national championship game. That's a lateral move going to USC at best. But it's L.A. Have you seen USC's facilities? Not great. 
Have you seen Oregon getting dump trucks of money sent to that campus every single week with Nike founder Phil Knight? Yeah. Mario's doing just fine with his resources. By the way, University of Miami, the fact that you never locked down Mario Cristobal and took a chance on him when you had several opportunities, that's on you. And now your college football program probably is never, ever, 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 ever going to be the same. And for any Canes fans that think after Manny Diaz is done, you're going to get a shot at Mario Cristobal. If USC isn't a better job than Oregon, Miami sure as bleep isn't a better job than Oregon. Okay? You're not getting a hometown discount for Mario Cristobal. But what are the top three coaching jobs in college football? So, the saving grace, the one case you can make was brought up by Pat Lawler. Our sports agent and sports law insider, he joins us every Tuesday here on Ken Levick Alive. This is where USC has an advantage when it comes to college football recruiting. And I think, Ken, one of the things that I've talked about before is excitement as well as NIL. You have the perfect location for those players to make money in NIL, and that's a great recruiting tool. N-I-L. And you know what? Pat's right. I mean, Pat's right. In Los Angeles, with name, image, and likeness, in theory, you should be able to draw in the best talent. Keep the Los Angeles talent in Southern California. Keep the California talent in-state and funnel them down to L.A. to play for USC. But there's stiff competition now, and this is what Miami's going to have to realize. Everybody's coming down to Miami to poach. Poach, 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 poach. You need to have creative relationships, and Miami's doing well with that. They, they do have creative relationships to help out their student-athletes. But you need a coach who is young enough and gets it enough. And by that, I mean being okay with NIL and the new era of college football, but also knows what they're doing. Like Manny Diaz hasn't shown one thing from a game management standpoint in his entire time as head coach, a talent development standpoint that leads you to believe that, hey, this guy's the right guy. At USC, this isn't going to be easy. I mean, look at Texas. They bring in Sark, and what happens? They go to Fayetteville, and Arkansas throttles them. You think there's NIL opportunities in Austin? (laughs) Yeah. So NIL, Pat makes a good point, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Do you have a coach that gets it? Because tradition doesn't matter to 18-year-olds. Tradition doesn't matter to 17-year-olds. You know what does? A chance to make money and a chance to play for an energetic coach that's going to put you in the best position to have a life after football. The University of Miami needs to understand that there is not a single kid down here that they're recruiting right now that was alive for the last time that they won a national championship. They don't care about swagger. They don't care about Ray Lewis. They don't care about Ed Reed until they meet him on campus in Coral Gables. They don't know who Jimmy Johnson is. All right? What can you do for me now? And what's the best coaching you can give for me now? And USC can't rest on its Matt Leinart laurels any longer. USC and Miami are so similar, it's almost scary. So Pat Lawler's right. NIL is going to matter, and that is going to make it a fairly attractive job. But 
USC doesn't play on campus. USC doesn't have the greatest facilities. And USC hasn't done anything worth a crap recently to draw anybody's attention from the high school football ranks. So this is going to be a little harder than just declaring that USC is a top three college coaching job. Because you know what kids have heard of? Athens, Georgia. Kirby Smart. Nick Saban. And is Tuscaloosa a great coaching job? Maybe not on its face, but Nick Saban has made it the most valuable property in college football. Is Clemson the best coaching job? It wasn't when Dabo took over. Those facilities now? Impeccable. Best in the country. Now it is. It matters the resources that a school wants to put in. USC has not put forth the proper resources. Therefore, it is not a top three head coaching job. Is Texas mediocre? Is Texas always vastly underperforming based on what it is? Yes. Do they put in the resources? Bleep yes. That makes it a more valuable head coaching job than USC is. What are the top three college football head coaching jobs? Joel Klatt of Fox says it's top three in the country. I say maybe top 10. 888-760-3776. And uh, you can tweet at us, at ESPN West Palm. When we return, we will discuss the NFL Week 2. As we enter tomorrow night, and a reminder, another edition of Weekend Warriors, presented by Bud Light, coming up tomorrow as well. Your chance to win a $100 gift card to a select location. Beverages abound. He's Captain Competent Joe Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken Levick Alive. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken Lavica and Chris Coquel. Coquel's off today. Ken Lavica live here on ESPN 106.3. You can listen to us on the free ESPN app as well. Captain Competent running the uh, the board as always, making sure that. Uh, Things stay uh, fairly seamless. Doing the best he can, Joe Rigotti. And uh, we were talking about the top three uh, head coaching jobs in college football and how I don't agree with Joel Klatt that USC is at number three. Uh, Sean Salisbury, uh, former ESPN personality, uh, he he posted the following on, on Facebook, and I think this is right on. We as USC Trojans and our new head coach have to stop thinking the 17-year-old kid gives a bleep about a 78 national title or a Heisman or a Rose Bowl 15 years ago or more. The kids and recruits want to know how they're going to be on TV weekly, how they get name, image, and likeness money, want to know if they're going to be able to play on Sundays. How will they get to a national title? Tradition and history matters, yes, but far less to today's player. We have to stop thinking these kids even know players 20-plus years ago. They want to build a new tradition. We better find a coach who's not living in the past. That's for us former players and fans. The present and future are what these kids care about. They know more about the Oregon uniforms than they do about student body right. It may hurt our pride as Trojans, but we all better adjust or you get left behind. We better hire a guy who has the energy of the players. Facts. I mean, that's right on. That is right on. And this is what I'm fearful about with Miami. This is what I'm fearful about 
about the Hurricanes. And if I'm a Canes fan, and I, I, I support the Canes. I want the Canes to win. I want Miami football to be an entity that is more than just a flash in the pan. Can they compete to win an ACC Coastal crown? Like the, the, the expectation should be higher for that, but that's what the realistic expectation is now. Is there a year where maybe they can be in the discussion to be in an ACC title game? Like that, that's going to be the gauge for what a good season is. And that's where Miami has turned into a cautionary tale for USC. And maybe name, image, and likeness can put Miami back on the map, but Miami spent too much time living in the past. Too much time talking about things that happened in the early 2000s, the early 90s, the 80s, and didn't focus enough on the present. Thought that the brand by itself was going to keep it competitive. Miami's still relevant, but you want to know why it's still relevant? Because of stuff they did in the 80s. Swagger, you you can't keep throwing out that word and try and make yourself believe that that gives you a college football advantage. USC is on the precipice of becoming what Miami currently is. And I don't think that there are many college football programs right now that want to be what Miami is. Is it cool to wear the U? Absolutely. Is it cool to rep the U? Hell yeah. Is Miami a cool brand? For sure. But Miami's a cool brand because of the past. Miami's a cool brand because it produces NFL players. That is the one thing Miami still has done well. But it's such a damning indictment of when they're on campus in Coral Gables. And how poor that experience is. Because... The Hurricanes produce as much NFL talent as they did two decades ago, but they sure as bleep don't win nearly as much as they did two decades ago. So when you hear about USC being an attractive coaching option, I want you to think about it. Like James Franklin's name comes up. There's a report today from Yahoo that there's mutual interest between James Franklin, Penn State, and USC. And while I don't think that For James Franklin, the USC job is better than Penn State. Maybe he does. Maybe it's time for a change. But if the Miami job came open, do you really think, after being spurned already by Miami, that Mario Cristobal would leave Oregon to come to Miami? I don't. Would James Franklin give more than a single solitary thought about going to Coral Gables, leaving State College? No way. Are you kidding me? Not a chance. So, no, I don't think USC is a top three coaching job. Like Joel Klatt of Fox says, maybe it's in the top ten, but it's still a more enticing job than Miami is. But they're running the risk of becoming the Hurricanes. Miami is having such a hard time living up to its past because they put so much emphasis on their past. Didn't have to be that way. But now it feels like Miami's just so dug into that that that's all that matters. You go around Kane's tailgates and all you see is stuff referring back to Jeremy Shockey, Ken Dorsey, Santana Moss. 
Sean Taylor, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. I mean, where's the the, the current the current success? Where's the, any of the current guys? Like, there's a lot of pride with the Canes, a lot of pride. But the output hasn't matched the amount of pride, and that's a problem. When you're barely winning at home against Appalachian State and your coach is saying, App State's a good team, it's what they do. They play teams tough on the road and they beat you. Well, they didn't beat us. That's not, that's not a good message to send to the fan base. Yeah, App State is good. But should you be taking any semblance of positive from letting a Sunbelt team roll into your stadium and almost beat you and act like you accomplished something? No. Know what that doesn't do? Inspire confidence for your players or for your fan base. But it's okay because it's all about the you, swagger. Remember what we did at the Rose Bowl against Nebraska? Like, come on. Better than this. And I don't know how Miami gets out of this funk of living in the past. And USC, this is going to be the single most important hire in the history of that football program. Even more so than when they hired Pete Carroll. Even more so than when they brought in Lane to succeed Pete Carroll. Because this is the hire that USC needs to prevent USC from becoming what Miami has become. Should college football programs be leaning on what they've done in the past? How much emphasis do they put on living in the past? I say minimal at best. Because you don't compete when all you do is harken back to previous football glory. Nebraska is Miami. USC is trying to avoid becoming Nebraska and Miami. This is the most important hire they're going to have. How much should a college football program focused on its past? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Hit us up on Twitter at ESPN West Palm as well. It's Ken Levick Alive. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here every day at noon, and I want to tell you about Pat Lawler. We mentioned him, Lawler and Associates, personal injury attorneys. He was talking about the USC job yesterday as our sports agent, sports law insider here on Ken Levick Alive. But Pat Lawler also is uh, the, the finest personal injury attorney that you're going to find in all of South Florida. Lawler and Associates, personal injury attorneys, he and his staff, they have decades of trial experience. They have been doing this for years and years and years have won countless cases, getting people the compensation they deserve, whether it's a slip and fall, whether it's a motorcycle accident, whether it's an automobile accident, whether it's a boating accident, uh, you get hurt and you feel like someone's at fault. It's tricky. It's tough. It is really hard. You feel isolated. You feel alone. Well, that's where Pat comes in. Pat and all the people at Lawler and Associates Personal Injury Attorneys, they're looking out for you. And the consultation to see if they're right for you, that's free. He's not gouging you. He's not trying to take advantage of you. He's trying to have your back because he knows that this is hard. This is difficult. But if you get hurt in a personal injury matter and you're owed compensation, he's fighting for you. That's Lawler and Associates Personal Injury Attorneys. Lawler and Associates Personal Injury Attorneys. WantToLawyerUp.com. That's WantToLawyerUp.com for your free consultation. Lawler and Associates Personal Injury Attorneys. One of the comedians that shaped the entire scope of my sense of humor passed away yesterday. And I'll be damned if I'm not honoring him when we come back. Captain Competent Joe Rigotti is here. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.
Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken LaVica and Chris Coquel. Hey, if you're spending your lunch with us, thank you. Appreciate that. Ken Levicka live here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, I'd be remiss if I uh, did not pay homage to one of the finest comedians of all time and maybe the one most important to me in my comedic development uh, in my lifetime, Norm McDonald. Before that, though, uh, since we're, we're talking lunch, there's no better place to go than Stormhouse Brewing. But, Ken, isn't, isn't that a craft brewery? Um, yeah. But, Ken, craft breweries, for some reason, don't serve food. They don't have menus. Uh, well, Stormhouse Brewing does because it's one of a kind because it's the only craft brewery in this area that has a full food menu in addition to its in-house uh, crafted uh, beers that are made by uh, a craft brewer that trained in Germany. Yeah, if you're going to have a master brewer, make sure that he or she is trained in Germany. That's how you know that it's top damn notch, and that's what they've got at Stormhouse Brewing. But this menu... Like we're talking small place. They've got pierogies. They've got portobello fingers. I love, 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 love that. Blistered shishito peppers. Like Who does that? That is so awesome. Uh, the entrees, drunken mussels, uh, the shepherd's pie. They've got brisket. I mean, brisket at a craft brewery, and it's delicious. Like This is gourmet stuff. The uh, Chef Ray's famous baked wings, those are a hit. The tacos, they've got pizza there. Uh, and don't worry, they have gluten-free uh, portions to their menu as well. So Stormhouse Brewing, doesn't that sound real good for lunch? I know that it sounds real good to me. And I have had so many people come up to me and say, Ken, I didn't even know about Stormhouse Brewing until I heard about it on your show. Well, head on over there. Stormhouse Brewing, North Palm Beach, US 1, just a half mile south of PGA Boulevard in the Crystal Cove Commons. Stormhouse Brewing, stormhousebrewing.com, and find out more at stormhousebrewing.com about their Dolphins Colts game day experience on October 3rd. Uh, a lot packed into that, a lot of drinking, a lot of fun for a minimal amount of money. Stormhouse Brewing, again, US 1, Crystal Cove Commons, half mile south PGA Boulevard. It is taking over the area, the only craft brewery with a menu at Stormhouse Brewing. All right, so Norm McDonald, you know now, by this time, uh, he passes away at age 61. He apparently had been battling cancer for damn near a decade, didn't tell anybody, and then uh, finally succumbs to it yesterday. Uh, but uh, as Dave Letterman, who uh, Norm appeared on on his show, on The Late Show so many times, would call him Norm MacDonald, uh, there, there were two things I picked out here. Uh, first, Back in 97, Norm was on Conan O'Brien, and Courtney Thorne-Smith, who was leaving Melrose Place, had just done a movie with Carrot Top. Uh, she was on uh, with Conan, and Norm had just appeared with Conan and was sitting in on the interview, and this is what happened. Why a movie with Carrot Top? I mean, no, I don't know much about Carrot Top, you know? I, I, I don't know much about him. I'm a little jealous, because he's a red-haired comedian, and I felt like maybe you'd do a movie with me first, then move on to Carrot Top. Do you have a scene where you and, and you, you and him embrace? Yeah, lots of making out. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> making out. All right. It's like nine and a half weeks, but Carrot Top. Is it called nine and a half seconds? <laughs> it's like he's premature ejaculating. <laughs> He said nine and a half seconds. 
seconds, and I'm looking at them because I know there's more. And I wait and wait, and I see the glimmer in the eye, and then bang! I thought you were going to crack whore, but no. But uh, what's the movie going to be called? Really? Well, I know what it's going to be called. Yeah, what's that? If it's got Carrot Top in it, you know what a good name for it would be? What's that, Norm? Box Office Poison. <laughs> sitting to your left is in the movie. I'm gonna go see it for fun. <laughs> you scare everybody else away? No, I love this girl. I would see any movie with this girl in it. She's a beautiful lady and, and a talented, nice talk show guest. Okay. As evidenced by her appearance on our rival show. All right, well, there's this two-hour season finale of Melrose Place. There's this movie coming out. Yes. Title undetermined at this point. Chairman of the board. Oh. All right. Do something with that, you freak. <laughs> I, I bet the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. So that is Norman Conan absolutely wrecking Courtney Thorne Smith, who wasn't heard of much after that, after that, uh, that decision to leave Melrose Place, and uh, then the decision to sit next to Norman Conan. And then... Uh, Norm known for a lot uh, with what he did on Weekend Update on SNL, which got him fired because he wouldn't stop making jokes about O.J. Simpson. Uh, but this sketch on Lou Gehrig is maybe, maybe his most underrated work that he did on Saturday Night Live. Lou Gehrig, the pride of the Yankees, realizes he's fighting a losing battle with a devastating illness. On July 4th, 1939, he speaks to his adoring fans for one last time. A day that will live forever in Yankee history. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I'm unlucky. I may be the unluckiest man on the face of the earth. I have a disease so rare they named it after me. That is the essence of Norm MacDonald. He is going to be missed. He is the greatest talk show guest ever, ever, at late night radio, the best talk show guest ever. Uh, Ken Levick Alive will be back tomorrow. Before we get out of here, I want to tell you real quick about the fine folks at EDS Air Conditioning. EDS is yes. You hear me talking about them all the time, and it's because I'm trying to look out for you because if you uh, lose your air conditioning, if your unit quits, uh, you're in trouble. Uh, it, it is it is unbearably hot. If your home starts to get to the levels of what it is outside, and then it starts to get trapped, the heat in there, like that's a that's a health issue. That is a a, a problem for you, your pets, your family, uh, and it's costly if not physically. Uh, a physical problem. So EDS Air Conditioning, they're looking out for you. EDS is yes. They've been doing it since 2006. They have the latest equipment. They have the best equipment because they're a train comfort specialist. It's hard to stop a train. They're family-owned and operated. 
You can trust them. They've got families. They understand. This is not them just trying to make a buck. They know that if the AC goes out, there's problems. And if you have plumbing issues, they handle those as well. EDS Air Conditioning. Call them at 561-316-8799. 561-316-8799. EDS Air Conditioning. They set their appointment windows around you. They're trying to work around you as opposed to the other way around with a, a scourge in the air conditioning industry. They're trying to work around you. That makes them one of a kind. It's EDS Air Conditioning, edsairconditioning.com, or call 561-316-8799 for EDS Air Conditioning. Big thanks to Captain Competent Joe Regatta. He does flat-out rules. I'm Ken Levicka. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be live on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye now.